0: Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.
1: Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made ByHeart a better formula for formula. Learn more at Byheart.com. I don't like
0: blood and guts. But I love them when they're lengthily discussed
2: The Noise of the Silence of the Lambs Podcast, because we have to make noise to talk about a movie called The Silence of the Lambs. This is with Gorley and Rust. I'm Matt Gorley And
0: I'm Paul Rust. Yes, the the irony of that, that in order to talk about the silence of the lambs, you must not be silent.
2: Nor can you be a lamb if you're to form actual words, so the whole thing is flying in the face of what it's supposed to be.
0: Well, last time I checked... Those lambs weren't necessarily silent in her dream. Right. Sounded like they were making a lot of noise, noise, a lot of racket.
2: Yeah, and if the metaphor holds where these girls that Buffalo Bill is kidnapping are the lambs that she wants to silence, Mm. they're pretty loud. Yeah, they were loud too. Yeah, so (laughs) we hated this movie.
0: F minus. Yep, we're introducing a grade system to the podcast Uh. now so we can give it the ultimate F minus. And you know... Clarice Sterling would hate an F minus she's made to come loud man oh yeah and when
2: she when he said she got an A she said A minus and it really burned her Mm -hmm. look the point is we love this movie I'm not gonna speak for you but I'm just gonna go out on a a limb (sighs) I'm gonna go out on a lamb okay
0: (laughs) But don't be silent about it. <laughs> I oh no, it. let's not bury the lead. I'm already saying it 13. Same of 13. here, same here, buddy. You're gonna do it too.
2: Strong year. 13 from beginning to end. I never questioned it.
0: I flawless, like I'm kind of asking a question like a, the cover of a magazine used to do. Oh, Remember, it nice, would be like yeah, like a, a picture of Silence and Lambs flawless, yeah. And you'd like, I guess I have to read the article to get the, yeah. but uh, I, I, that's so, that's how I post it to you, but I think it's flawless when I I watch it. And that little motor, it runs on.
2: Cause is it a thriller? Is it a horror? Yes and no, because it transcends all to just be like a great movie. Kind of like how I feel about Casino Royale. Like it's a Bond movie, but it's a great movie first. Obviously it won, you know, the big five at the Academy Awards, including best picture. So not that that, is the end all be all? But. Yeah, and
0: so the, our yeah the the trustees and our listeners know the big the only previous winners of the big five best picture, best director, best actor, actress, and screenplay, screenplay was It Happened One Night, and uh, one, one Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, right, yes. So, um, which is funny. I'm just thinking about this right now. Two of the three are about. Cooks. Oh, that's right. <laughs> hey, and Jack we'll take-
2: Nicholson was, was, according to Brantley's wonderful research, someone at least considered to play Hannibal Lecter.
0: Yeah, and somebody who came real close to playing Jack Crawford and had bought the rights for the book, Gene Hackman, and was maybe, well, he was definitely it was going to be his directorial debut. Yeah. And it's assumed that the part he would have played was Jack Crawford. Because that's bigger in the novel. Yeah, yeah, and maybe also if it's your directorial debut, it's like, I can do this solid Jack Crawford part and then be able to be a director in these... um... But, you know, adding to the thing of, like, you're like, is it a thriller? Is it a horror? I'd also add to that, uh, uh, you know, just a a psychological... (laughs) Hey, buddy, I was getting there. I was (laughs) going to say psychological, like, character study. And then finally, romance. Kind of, yeah. Those scenes between them, I think there's four scenes... They're like four dates yeah. of two really interesting people, like coming closer together. That's pretty magnetic. Yeah. Uh, I mean, speaking of former people who are considered, uh, Jonathan Demi, according to Brantley Palmer's notes, uh, offered it to Meg Ryan, and she was like, no, and kind of insulted. Like, why are you offering this yeah. to me?
2: And someone else, oh, Michelle Pfeiffer, Michelle was the Pfeiffer first, yeah.
0: who, who, because he had worked on Married to the Mob with her, offered it to her as a, hey, let's keep working on this. And she didn't like the material either. But it's funny if you think about the romance aspect, if you had cast Meg Ryan, like Miss Romcom herself in the early <sighs> 90s, they would have really sparkled.
2: I know. Put Hugh Jackman in the Hannibal Lecter role? <laughs> come on, we really got something here. 13 plus.
0: Billy Crystal. <laughs> well, he did come in with the Hannibal mask. Oh, that's but he was, right. I wrote that down in oh, my notes. Oh, God, jokes. that's right. Because uh, that was very funny yeah. that he did that. <laughs> I mean, uh, so many uh, avenues, tabs open, uh, but we should just not really. some ground... Yeah, well, we'll just cover the Tabs within the subject of the... Kind
2: of like a cold opening like the magazine you mentioned, where we throw all this on the cover, but you got to read the whole episode to find out, and that'll happen right after this business. Uh, That's right. It's with Gorley and Rust, the podcast where we talk at length in easy listening format. It's a cozy cast. We talk about mostly thrillers and horrors, but who knows what else, especially down the line. You can be a Patreon subscriber and get more content like mailbag episodes, feature-length commentaries. We just did a commentary on that blob from 1988. That was real fun. If you subscribe at the Xenomorph, the baby Xenomorph level, you get your name read out on the podcast, as you will hear at the end of this episode, and you can watch each episode live screaming which some of our lovely trustees are yeah, doing hello, as we speak. hello. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi, guys. Hi, trustees. You can see we're in my office. That is in complete upheaval. It looks like we're in a hoarder's <laughs> antique shop.
0: Hey, um, no, I mean, uh, you know, uh, this looks great. And uh, it's nowhere near Buffalo Bill, uh, that's, that's. I mean, not... there
2: aren't Asian insects flying around. I'll give you that. But otherwise,
0: it's close. Buffalo Bill wishes he had, like, guitars
2: there are stones in this room, though, like walled stone walls that kind of remind me of Buffalo Bill's basement.
0: Ooh, Buffalo Bill's basement! Yikes! Yike, yikes! That's maybe that's an alliteration I want to stay away from.
2: <laughs> hey, that's all the business, man.
0: That's all we. That got That was to great, say. Matt. Yeah. And uh, uh, I, I'd add to that, yeah, our, our whole backlog of uh, episodes. How many? Oh, we that's got right. There? Oh, yeah. People so
2: can... that's the other thing. If you're listening on the free feed you know hats off to you but if hats you're off. a subscriber you get it a week early without ads and you get the early seasons which are not available for yeah. free so that's your your friday the 13th your halloween your nightmare and elm street and i believe alien are all, yeah. all on the paywall uh, there so check uh, it out
0: yeah uh, and, and i like this idea man of the cozy flipping through like a periodical like a saturday evening post yeah where it was like okay yeah some of the the topics are on the cover, and then we flip the page. And what you did with the like description of the show and stuff that was like the editorial oh, yeah. uh writer, the founder, the people who own it. Right. What, what would that be? It's not the table of contents, but it's the like, yeah, what is the,
2: the index? The index the, or
0: the, yeah, uh, and it might even be on the same forward? page, as the table of contents. Yeah. That's like the
2: the digest or something like that. Yeah. 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 Uh,
0: so that's what that was. And now the page gets flipped
2: to the feature article. That's right. Oh man. So silence the lambs, 1991. I saw this in the theater with my mom and my sister. I would have been 18. Wow. Lucky you. February of 1991. So I was a senior in high school and this was just not something the three of us would do at this time. So I don't know what got us out to the movies. And I also remember seeing JFK with my dad and my sister. But I think thought. I can count on three fingers the movies that my mom and my sister and I saw in the theater together. Did you tell. Grease, <laughs> where we came in late and stayed after to watch the beginning. Yes. Then we were going to go see a movie, the three of us, and we couldn't agree I wanted Return of the Jedi. My sister wanted the night the lights went out in Georgia. My mom wanted Under the Rainbow. They all had actors from Star Wars in it, so I was already going to win this thing. And we, I think, tossed a coin and we saw Under the Rainbow. And then Silence of the Lambs, yeah.
0: Wow. (laughs) If there's a thread between all of those, what do you think it is, uh... Greece
2: peaks under the rainbow.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Greece under the rainbow and silence of the lambs. Wow, a looking under the hood of what's really going on in America. (laughs) (laughs) That's not close at all. I don't know. (laughs) Looking underneath the legend. There's legends that exist. Yeah, and and these movies. Pick away. They're all very different, though. And I like that you guys all saw it. What do, you, what do you think it was? It was like, your sister's older. Do you think she was, like, back home? And it was like, let's go out to the movies. But it's That's February. Yeah, so February. Really... What? She must have been home for the weekend?
2: That's a good question. Also... What if we Do found not out... trust this unreliable narrator. I was going to
0: say, what if we found out this is like how you celebrate Valentine's Day? Uh, like uh, like every your year. your mom and your sister. It just, just so happens. We learned. all wear like death's head butterfly costumes. <laughs> and, yeah. What? We're
2: fans. Come on. What about you? Do you remember? You would have been about 10?
0: Yeah. I. Um, well, and just to go back to your experience, um, you watching it yeah uh, I the uh, word on the street before you went in might have been it's a good movie, but I have to imagine you got blown the fuck back in your chair watching this movie dude. I can vividly remember and
2: I actually have this memory for I think most any time I've watched this movie with another human being when the lights go out in the basement in Buffalo Bill's basement and it's that night vision and you see those hands come up. The theater, especially my sister, she's really good
0: to watch with these kind of yes. movies because oh she's like, God. oh, and yeah, you could, the feel, theater, the you could feel the tension. Yeah. the people. Oh, so lucky because they're all in the dark. Yeah. The
2: Krikorian theaters is at Whitwood Mall, I think is where we saw them.
0: Whoa. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah, because like content wise, you wouldn't have necessarily been fully prepared for the like, Somebody's the close-up shot of like the fingernail being like, no
2: off. none. I think the only awareness I would have ever had of this movie would have been in Premiere Magazine if they'd mm-hmm. done anything. But I think even then, I probably I didn't really know who Anthony Hopkins was mm-hmm. at the time. I knew who Jodie Foster, but uh-huh. I was I was there for the Indiana Jones articles and things like that. Yes, you know, 91, yeah, ninety-one Terminator Two or whatever. You know, uh-huh. yeah,
0: yeah. No, I uh because just thinking in your situation, if you. Seeing it and hadn't known anything really about it before, and went in sort of just open to it. Like, you would that gross stuff would really blow my mind. Yeah, the acting would really blow my mind. Yeah, if I was sitting there and being like, Oh, I thought I was just gonna see a thriller and then this fucking amazing set of scenes between it's the, a
2: masterpiece, right? We can call you know, this thing a masterpiece. I think
0: so. Yeah. I think so. You know, they're, they're on the, I don't follow the Oscars Reddit, but it offers it up to but me. It
2: follows you. It follows, <laughs> uh,
0: it follows <laughs> me around. Like it follows, I can't get rid of, it. but um, I have to have sex with somebody in order for that Oscar <laughs> subreddit to start following them.
2: Okay. I'll do it.
0: <laughs> but they've been doing a really cool thing where they'll, take the 10 of a decade of like the 10 best supporting actress winners. Uh And then people are just like, what's the best one of those 10? And it's a great way to kind of sit back and look and be like, Oh, what is the, and with the nineties one, silence of the lamps to your point about it being a masterpiece. That was the, that and Schindler's list were the two. Mm. Oh, these are the best picture winners that are legit to its best picture status. I watched it with Leslie uh, my wife last night and when she goes down into the hallway and for the first time and that dick doctor who everybody hates the guy oh yeah not Chilton doctor, Chilton he uh, uh it's just like the most like pulpy genre you think of like he shows her a picture of like what happens you don't see yeah, it yeah you don't see it Which is funny because you've seen other grotesque photos already. So you're like, wow, how fucking (laughs) crazy must this be? And then he's got this like demonic red color behind him. It feels otherworldly and it's like so sinister and creepy and like... uh, How do you pronounce it? Outra? Like it's just, it's not a conventional movie at that point. And I turned to Leslie and I was like, how fucking cool is it that this one best picture? And Leslie was like, so fucking cool. It is really. And the fact that then it's a masterpiece too. The masterpiece
2: thing is the reason for me, I think it's a masterpiece is every single time I sit down to watch this movie, I'm like, "Ah, it's going to, it's not going to hold up. Anthony Hopkins is going to be over the top and cartoony and self parody because that's what culture has yeah. pinned onto it, like impressions of this thing and then I watch it and like no god damn it. he's amazing in this thing he's that's so good you know, that's, she's so yes good.
0: yes i mean that's the truth of being uh, uh, the fun of being uh, a movie lover for many decades now mm-hmm. is um when i was watching back to the future it occurred to me oh it's kind of exciting now about these movies that i grew up you're starting to see the ones that are like sloughing off Uh nostalgia-wise and like don't reach masterpiece status. They're just kind of like... Nostalgia will only get you so far. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And slowly there's only going to be a few movies from the 80s that historically will emerge that people will try to remember. That's a good point because nostalgia dies with the generation.
2: Masterpiece kind of gets grandfathered in. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So when I was watching Back to the Future, I was like oh, it's kind of crazy to keep going back to this now and being like, its legendary status is continuing. And maybe that's the experience I, what you're saying, I have it too with Silence of the Lambs when I'm watching it. That's a good way to describe a masterpiece. It's like something that um, manages to still feel alive. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's probably, you were saying that they're so good when we were mentioning the other actors i can't imagine anybody else playing clarice i know um it's just like the best
2: I, yeah i can't either because who else was up for someone was up for scott glenn's role as uh jack
0: oh glenn scott yeah <laughs> Those two are always, I mean, they, yeah. they look the exact same, except one eye is different. The, the, whatever, the lower eye is the other. It's uh, just like a mirror. Um, what do you, listen, well, let's talk. You know, you brought it up, the acting and those characters and those actors, uh, Jodie Foster and Anthony What do you love about her? What do you love about those characters? Jodie Foster,
2: acting? I think this is the best thing I've ever seen her in. And that's mm-hmm. saying something. For yeah. one thing, she she is these two like bookends of the, or like two halves of the movie where when she first comes in to talk to Lecter and even when she's talking to Scott Glenn's character she's so good at playing smart but nervous and and inexperienced yeah. oh. which is not I don't know. I don't know how I'd ever do that. She, I no. totally believe that she's got butterflies in her stomach and she's nervous about this new job. And then when she's talking to Lecter, especially, she's like, I have to be strong. Her, her right brain is taking over. She knows what she has to do, but her whole body is telling her, get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. makes perfect sense. And then the moment where she realizes that James gum, she's, she's with James <laughs> gum and she, she goes back to get her gum, but then she closes her her coat again, like, is this, what do I do? Can you imagine like your body would be tingling? And I feel that with her. Oh, that whole sequence
0: of her, like kind of getting the gun, not fully out and then going over the door and kicking it and then it kind of like going and then wobbling back and kind of like stuttering. It's not like cop show time now where she like... Oh, God.
2: And there's like 15 seconds where he realizes it as well and neither of them has spoken and neither of them has made a move and he gets this look on his face which is so... That's the other thing. I think Ted Levine is up there with these people too right. Brooke Smith and Mm -hmm. even Anthony Heald, Scott Glenn. They're all incredible.
0: Nobody miscast. I mean, that's part of why the movie is like flawless. You can't... Is the the
2: only possible... to me. It works for the film. The bug guys? No, I love the bug guys. Okay, good. The one girl of Frederica (laughs) Bimmel that she talks to right at the end before she goes to Mrs. I think Lipton's house Mm -hmm. seems, because of the POV shot, almost seems like she's reading and she doesn't feel entirely comfortable. It works for a character because it would be that way, but I felt like I, I, you know.
0: I forgot about that scene. That's a scene, you know, you forget when when you're watching it. Same with the flashbacks. I always kind of forget Though as I'm watching, I'm like, oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. But the, um, the thing that I noticed in that scene near the end that I thought was really sweet that I'd never noticed before was, you know how earlier Hannibal says, like, let me guess, you grew up in a podunk town and you couldn't wait to be part of the FBI. Yeah. And she's talking to this girl. It's the last person she interviews before she gets to the guy. And so it's like, okay, what's the significance of this is the last person she sort of encounters in her world and it did seem to me like she's like a little Clarice because that young Clarice was like so you get to you go out of town and you go to different towns and visit people and she's like yeah 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 I go do that it's like that sounds cool like I was like oh she's at the very end of her whatever journey she's coming and re-meeting like her little self this little woman who's like oh what's what's up now I admit like of all the performances of the movie, that one's probably not the uh, finest in the, the movie. But she
2: reminded me a little bit of Parker Posey and Waiting for Guffman. You know. Yes.
0: Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Just, just come in and a get a, get a coke. coke.
2: Just get a Coke. He's cause he just ruined some property or something.
0: <sighs> yeah, but your point about the uh Jodie Foster being able to like this exquisite plane of multiple notes of like she's smart. So she's not doing stuff dumb, but she's reserved and the butterflies thing, the ability well, to get thematically
2: butter- on point
0: too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she wishes they were just in her throat. They're I down know. in her tummy. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and the, um, like, I don't know. I have like just such a, um, real a feeling of connection with Clarice i got to say yeah. like and i'm sure everybody does that's probably why that character resonates everybody does feel but just from like that opening shot of her i, I forgot about it but it's like it's like a hill And you first see her in the distance and she's like pulling herself out of this like well, like this ending well, like this hole. And she's just like, and then she disappears for a moment and then she pops back out right as she's like pulling herself out of the rope. And I'm like, whatever, she, everybody like feels that. It's just like, oh, I feel like life is this. And you, the fact that she's she's small, like helps you actually like, project more into her. You
2: don't realize how small she is. I know they do that thing where she gets into the elevator and probably cast even taller men, but it works. And, and speaking of that, the fact that and they comment on this is that she has to deal with men ogling her, like even in the airport when she's walking and that guy looks back and she, she registers it yeah. and she has the exchange with Scott Glenn about it. it matters when you, when you like exclude me. But then the fact that she's smart enough to, to be able to use that both on Dr. Chilton when she wants to flatter him, she realizes he's got to flatter him. So she does that. And also those men, Chilton's scary. Um, Scott Glenn's has power. Meeks, Miggs is freaky. Um, Lecter is is just harrowing, but when she goes to the bug guys, she's not threatened by them, so she almost kind of gives them a little flirtation as, oh, as a little yeah. gift, and she's playing like eight different levels of coping with the male gaze that... Yes. Especially for a movie in 91 that in itself, you know, has had some controversy on how yeah. it deals with mm-hmm. perceived homosexuality versus transsexualism versus transvestitism, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the parsing of whether, like do we have another gay villain? Is that the kind of thing? But I think this movie actually does go out of its, well, not go out of its way, but it takes some pains to say, no, this is not because oh, he's yes. a transvestite or even transsexual or gay. It's, it was his environment.
0: Yeah. There's a whole scene based around it. That yeah. It makes I know there was, it was detail. protested
2: at times and there are some people defending and some people against it, but for 91, this this movie is really...
0: Yeah, that thing you said about the like male it just, gaze. It stays, yeah. Is what I was thinking when I was watching it was... Because they put it in terms of covet. Mm-hmm. Like how somebody looks, oh, right. they put it in terms of word covet. Yeah. But I was like, it's gays. That's like what yeah. they're saying. And watching it, I was like, oh, it is about... This is the... We've watched a lot of slashers, my boy. A lot of killer movies. But this might be the first... Not just in our puck, but in movies or whatever, that isn't just making the assumption that the male, the audience is going to lock into the male gaze. And it becomes about how exactly what you said, how she accepts the male gaze or acknowledges it. And then it's sort of about the. the differences in ways she recognizes that she's being gazed upon. So it's not as like, it's, it's complicated and it, it's way more. Well, it puts
2: you in her shoes. And yes. I remember this, even when I saw it going like, Oh God, that guy keeps looking at her guy. This guy keeps looking at her. She has, she's registering that. And then, you know, you watch it now and you're very aware well, of it and then just the pinnacle the cultures change. Yes, yes, you, yes.
0: You know. But the, is she aware of it? I, it hit me watching the sequence with the night vision. I was like, this is the ultimate uh, 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 um, extent of this idea of what if you were coveted and gazed upon, had eyes on you, and you weren't aware of it. I was like, whoa, they fully got... Uh, Yeah, and then you add the POV whole element into it too, where
2: you're either looking straight into her eyes or you're her looking at Hannibal Lecter.
0: Which is amazing. I mean, Jonathan Demi used that looking into the... Lens, uh, before in his other movies, but the way it sort of works hand in glove with this, particularly like how it works with the um, scenes between Lecter and Clarice. There's scenes each other, how they yeah, get, yeah, and how it, whatever it puts you uh, in the position of what she's in. But yeah, whatever, like um, that thing of somebody feeling a slight what I connect with Clarice is like that acknowledgement that you're there's other generational professionals out there and trying to be a first generational professional in a field and like um Hannibal Lecter, like being like, now when you come in here with your poor white trash, that's like, that's my fear. That's like my relationship to life is like, oh, what if I grew up in Iowa? Oh, nobody yeah. saw how I lived. What if somebody saw my life and was just like, it, it, it would just so like a, a oh, peel back flame, your yeah, um, so. I connect with her on all of that, of just like, and then her nervously trying to use. She's bright, but she's trying to use it in the way, but she's nervous. It's like, fully just identify. But then you got Lecter in all those scenes. And because he's smart and everybody likes to feel like they're smart, you can't help but connect with Hannibal. And to what you were saying about the. um, oh, she's got all these guys looking at her. I said that to Leslie. I was like, it's so funny. This movie is about a study of the different types of dicks you have to deal with. <laughs> you got the guy who you have to be like, right. Oh, Mr. Uh, Chilton, you're the king, baby. And yeah. the other people, you have to like find different ways to like. Um, but what's really sort of sweet and like what makes it like a romance is Hannibal's kind of that at the beginning. He's calling around and saying kind of dirty things around her. But as each man in her life kind of fails her, even Jack, uh, her boss, you know, he kind of like sends her up the river a couple of times. There comes a point by like their third meeting that the only person who's treating her with like love and respect is Hannibal. It's like the sweetest thing in the world. It's the
2: strangest. It's the strangest. Like since King Kong and Fay Ray, have you not had a romance quite like this? Yes. And I could
0: tear up, Matt. I teared up watching that scene where he's like, I'll give you information. You just have to be honest with me. And when she says, and what tore me up about him, Matt, was like, she doesn't see Hannibal reacting this way. But when she said, uh, my dad got shot. And he's like, did he give up? No, he was strong. He lasted for a month. And you see Hannibal close his eyes like, oof, that's tough. Oh, I didn't notice that. I feel for Clarice with this. And then, but she doesn't see that. And then she goes, and I had, I had lost my mom before that. And you see him close his eyes again. And it's like, whatever that empathy of somebody being like hooked into their pain. Yeah. That's like what the romance for me is. It's like second and third dates are kind of about this. Well, like, it's,
2: it's so twisted too that someone who's literally a cannibal and a murderer could have empathy for her. It's such a selective empathy that I'm almost ashamed to admit that you kind of, you do feel like emotionally stirred by that because you're like this guy who's horrible is giving her empathy. It means so much, yeah, which is the like bad boy. the thing you say if you're in an abusive relationship, <laughs> right, you know? right,
0: right, 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 right. But that's
2: how powerful this movie is. Yeah. No I, hyperbole. It really
0: is. I know. It's very sweet. I mean, I guess they, in the future kind of bungle up in the novel, Hannibal and stuff like their romantic aspect. I like the kind of, will they, won't they? Oh, part Oh,
2: that's curious because in Brantley's notes, Thomas Harris didn't want to watch the movie because he was so aware that after John Le Carre watched Alec Guinness play George Smiley, he started writing for Alec Guinness as opposed to what his original creation was. And Thomas Harris did not want to do that.
0: I read that. I wondered what Fleming you thought did how for you Connery felt about too. that.
2: Yeah. After seeing Connery as Bond, Fleming, you know, made his ancestry Scottish and stuff like that. and. Um,
0: hey, and let's not forget about the guy who wrote Forrest Gump. <laughs> with that movie, he I think he wrote like two books. Oh, yeah. But then when it came out, and he came up with like a cheapo sequel. Um, oh, Gump and Company? Yeah. Jenny, at the end of the first book, is like alive. But in the beginning of the book, is like, she's dead. Oh. It's like, I, yes, you guys saw the movie. I'm not going <laughs> to... You were right. Out, yeah, yeah, come yeah. on. I know where my bread is buttered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. he couldn't help but right for the character of Tom Hanks for Forrest oh, Gump. Like, clearly that guy. He was yeah. a...
2: I mean, I think in in Le Carré's case, Alec Guinness's portrayal and the literary George Smiley, you really couldn't tell them apart. They're pretty... Okay. I mean, Guinness was super faithful and maybe he wasn't as fat and and I think the character in the book is bald, which is interesting because Guinness is bald, but he he wore a wig for that, so I, <laughs> I don't know. But that's what, uh, could
0: would you even be able to like notice that in the writing like oh there is a difference now it does seem like he has a Guinness I'm just style. I'm thinking
2: about that because I read all the George Smiley books recently and so Tinker Taylor came out in the late 70s and that would have been between Smiley's people and the later ones No, because none of the Mm -hmm. later books are about George Smiley, but I think that may be Thomas Harris's point, is that Le never really went back to writing primarily Smiley books because Uh. he would just show up in other characters' books. I think Hmm. maybe he was kind of like, thought he'd lost the character or something like that. I don't know. I don't really know, but it's, it's fascinating.
0: I mean, Thomas Harris inventing that character... And watching it now, in comparison, it's the closest I've watched Manhunter to Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, me too. Um, like, to see those differences of, like, oh, the first time Hannibal's brought up in this, it's Hannibal the Cannibal. They, yeah. like, use that term. And in Manhunter, do they even mention that he eats humans? I
2: I don't know. And, and just the difference between Michael Mann and Jonathan Demme and Brian Cox and Anthony Hopkins – I don't even connect these movies. I really don't.
0: Those, each of those quadrants, whatever those, yeah, are so different from each other. Michael yeah. Mann and Jonathan Demi, you're right, couldn't be further apart in terms of their um, where their heart lies. Exactly. In yeah, There's,
2: uh, Jonathan Demi has so much heart without being sentimental, <sighs> and beautiful. Michael Mann, and I love Michael Mann. Yeah, but he's so. Cold, yes, and and
0: yeah, 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 no, almost I, yeah.
2: nihilistic in a way, you know.
0: Yeah, I, I um, even the uh, or it's, its all form. It's not about a character could just be one dimension, and that's the purity of his characters. Yeah. Whereas, what's beautiful about Jonathan Demi characters are yeah, they're multifaceted. The uh, like, I when when you mentioned that shot of her getting the elevator, and they're bigger. Uh, I did think like, oh, that's the um, kind of like the best like snapshot of uh, Jonathan Demi Because I think the two things when I watch his movies. And I, I think I've probably seen three fourths of them all. I uh, um, didn't see The Truth About Charlie. Mm, yeah. But um uh, he um, has um, like such a love for the underdog. Mm-hmm. Like his heart, like he's true. And it's awesome that he came from Roger Corman where it seems like any lefty sort of came up through that side and just held on to that part of his heart of just like, I am siding with the underdog through and through. So you see that in that shot. You see her yeah. in the elevator, she's a little underdog. But then the other thing that I think is just so cool about our boy Jonathan Demi is that he's like a... It's always about like the authenticity of the place and the people who exist in it. And so in that shot, not only do I just see underdog, oh, she's small and they're big, all those guys look like it's authentic. They look like, you can see Jonathan Demi's love for people isn't just like, I love how people fall in love and fall out of love. It's like, he loves how people look and wants to present how like different people. Well, look at, this is a
2: like cast of that guy's, supreme. Yeah. Well, first of all, speaking of Roger Corman and George Romero cameos right on, uh, then you've got Charles Napier who yes. everyone knows who's the, the best the guard who gets strung up like a butterfly in mm-hmm. his cage. Then there's Chris. And he's Chris playing I- the
0: same character as his blues brothers character. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. That's, uh, you, you can connect them.
2: There's Chris Isaac.
0: Yeah. That's a, gets funny a little strange
2: thing, little, like, he himself gets a male gaze from the camera, you know? I mean, he's so beautiful. <laughs> uh, Bob the Goon from Batman.
0: Oh, my God. He's so great, too. In the autopsy scene, when yeah. he's like, a leaf, when they're like, oh, there's something in the throat. Yeah, a bunch of leaves get in there. And
2: he's the only one not wearing the nose menthol. Notice that? <gasps> I never noticed Because he's so used to that. it. Because
0: he's a little weirdo. <laughs> oh, he's he just, just so smell, used to it, yeah. It's burnt out.
2: And then the way that the sergeant, In that building where they're holding him prisoner, with that mustache that defies all explanations—it's the whitest mustache I've ever seen, while still some being yeah, but while while still being super pencil thin. Yes,
0: it's just like how is it done? I
2: don't know. It's like, well, all of it is is short. It's all on his face. It's just—it's as if I shaved a line right here that went all the way like that. Yeah. I'm just wondering, do you want to? Yeah, I could. <laughs> Did the actor already have that? Did they do it for him for that movie? Because you don't see a mustache like that in real life. And if you do, someone's making a choice and they're saying something. I don't know what they're saying, Yeah. but I just love that character. I love that guy. He has such authority. Oh, he's I hope
0: it's the real guy. And he, I, I imagine in, it in was the audition and they were it, like, Oh, this guy can't cur- act, but we'll we'll deal with that because we want that mustache
2: he's so gruff and so brusque but you kind of love him for it you know and that's just it he barely has a part and he's someone that really makes an impact
0: yeah uh uh, Faison. yeah that's that's right uh like uh, every anthony
2: Heald who plays chilton yes Uh,
0: oh and that's like maybe the in like a diehard way of like so exquisitely cast that like
2: Oh, like William Atherton in Die Hard, you mean? Yeah, yeah. They're, just,
0: they're not going to cast any actor to play a prick. They're going to cast the best actor to play a prick. The only thing is, like, you want him to get his... Well,
3: he does. I know, but you want In wanna, the best way. You want to see it.
0: Like, oh. I wish there was a post-credit thing of, like, Hannibal turning the camera and be like, you want to see what I did? And then he's like...
2: Even if you don't see what happens to him you do want to see chilton's reaction to realizing hannibal has tracked him down
0: yeah, yeah. i mean that's a true to be continued like a sequel i guess like, they they left yeah uh, that's so
2: good such a good ending because it's just a little bit of a of a kind of dangling thread but all the it's yeah. a perfect movie it's yes. a perfect movie yes. Let, let's talk about the pov stuff because yes i was reading in the notes that they were shooting those, but not sure that they were going to use them. And then at some point they were doing so much of it favoring that, that they realized that Jonathan Demi realized like he has to use this and was like, dear God, I hope this works because it really is strange. And I'm trying to remember when I first saw it at 18, if I even noticed that they were doing it other than I would have noticed it emotionally, but I don't know if I noticed Uh it just like physically. And now it's, it's all I can see because it's just rare to see something like that in a movie
0: and truly like down the barrel. Yeah, Sometimes it's um, there's a really great uh, commentary where Jonathan Demme for silence of the lambs where he talks about those, like looking into the lens shots. I think he says the first time he started doing it was in something wild and it's like, probably the thing you most remember in Something Wild. It's like a part where somebody gets stabbed and the look, I won't spoil it, but the actor, when he realizes he's been stabbed, it goes into that. And so you're like, whoa, this is weird. And then I guess Jonathan Demi liked that and then continued that into his other movies.
2: How do you imagine they're doing the coverage on this? So they have to look and is is the actor, they're acting against just like heads right next to to the camera, then how would you resist looking at them? Are they, are they behind and over the camera?
0: Wow. That's a good question. Cause I that never, cannot yeah. be easy
2: to act. I remember when I was doing all Errol those, Worst is those docu- yeah. he
0: developed that camera. You the, know, or you just look, yeah, Right. So, but there was no Terratron back then. I, this is not
2: a corollary, but when I was doing all those Volkswagen commercials, much of it was to camera and it is really hard to do because it's not a human being. It's a black circular glassy void and after a while, I got used to it. But at first, it, it was jarring. But I can't imagine... I still knew I was talking to a camera and to people in yeah. TV land. Yeah. I can't imagine having to take on the emotional stakes of these characters and deliver that into a camera. You just... It seems yeah. like it would really have a learning curve. And maybe that's why Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins were so good. They had a lot of time to do it. But then that girl, you know, they probably shot her shot in two hours. And how could you ever truly warm up to being that close to a camera. Oh, right.
0: Because so much of a person's uh, good acting might just come from their, you know, looking, responding, and reacting to the person they're acting with. And Mm -hmm. that person's face might be off frame, but they're still reacting to it. Yeah. If it was a more green actor, right, how do they kind of get that uh, emotional uh pong ping yeah. pong going if uh, yeah um i realized because uh, we got so darn excited uh, uh, you asked me the question of how i said oh I, yeah I, I, I didn't answer it, it was like a long time it wasn't until like high school oh. or college and um i rented it and uh thought it ruled and i think the thing that most struck me outside of the like, oh, I didn't know the stuff between Clarice and that it was going to get so like um, truthful, like or remote. Like I just, that was unexpected. Yeah. Um, the other thing, and this is that as when I rewatch it, that's the thing that always most surprises me is like um, how. Emotionally, like nuanced it is, or how complex and dimensional the characters are, but the other thing, and the I thought that's the first time was just like they do some really cool tricks in this, like the elevator fake out, the, um, the face swap, the face swap, and the, the and villain's then the villains layer swap, the villains layer swap yeah. of them going to the thing, and. Seven came after Silence of the Lambs. Clearly, I don't think Seven would have existed as it existed if not for Silence of the Lambs. But Seven is similar. We talked about it where it was like, that movie could have just been the killer who kills people in the seven deadly sins. But it goes, and would have been fine, but it goes beyond and has like the villain who turns himself in, surprise, and the surprise that the wife is already dead and her head is in the box, surprise. Like, that's two kind of Extra goodies you get in this cool movie. Same with Silence of the Lambs. And if there's been two things that have been bit more, my yeah. friend, like the body switcheroo thing yeah. is uh Dark Knight and Skyfall, right? The like the cops think they've apprehended the person, and that means all is well. But the person is actually swapping. Is using it as a way to swap themselves out and get out, right? Wait, uh, in Skyfall, with um
2: Javier Bardem.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like Joker's plan in Dark Knight, oh, but yeah. I feel like Joker's plan comes from Hannibal's plan. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then the other big thing that I think it gets ripped off on is the like, yeah, that layer thing, like that's Ocean's Eleven. They do that trickery if yeah. you think it's one location and then you find out it's three or whatever. But those are two goodies for a movie that could just been about... That's what I
2: remember Lechter. when I saw this because there was no precedent that I was aware of for it. And so all of those things worked so well. And you're just like,
3: fuck me when he sits up in the ambulance. Yes. Face oh, on.
0: my God. And then the lair... Oh, and the other big surprise too that I was the... um you think Catherine is the body that they're autopsying because she goes missing and then, but it's like they're playing on how his victims look similar. I don't think I caught that. Um, because when you see her, then it's a surprise that she's in the well and she still then thinks it's, she's like, my parents will pay you anything, whatever you want for the ransom. He's like ransom. I don't care. I didn't even know you were this. Um, But then getting to see through her eyes, her awareness, that it's not a ransom thing. When she sees the fingernail, she's like, oh, I am the fifth. uh." Oh,
2: God. She was on my last episode of I Was There Too. She was my whole holy grail, my whole pursuit, and I kept pursuing it and I, I think i got a refusal blah 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 and then the podcast went along and i knew it was ending and i, I can't remember but someone made it happen and she was wonderful and can people listen to that now? yeah i um that ep- the episodes are re-releasing so uh-huh. it, it will eventually come out again maybe i'll try to throw it up on well, the or some patreon then, oh, i'm you know. trying to remember i know she said she and ted levine got along famously and her friends and would kind of I think, laugh and dance between takes, which is so wonderful to hear because, oh my God, he's so fucking good. And he's never the same. I want to know what that guy's like in real life because when you watch Heat, he's just kind of a brusque cop. yeah. And then he was on Monk. He was doing a comedy on
0: Monk for years. Well, and with Heat, he was originally offered the guy who um, wants a free refill at his Coke before he gets picked up by... (laughs) Who's the guy who... They hate. He, uh, oh, Wayne Grow? Yeah, he was supposed to be Wayne Gro. And then he was like, "Wayne Grow's too close to Buffalo oh. Bill. Can I be a cop instead?" Uh, and I love that little team of cops and he I know. like the uh is it West Duty? West And, Duty. Yeah.
2: and um oh, who, West and Duty and does this Taylor tape Bean. scene and
0: anytime time they come to a crime scene, he stops and he stoically just like looks around as if he will see a new clue that yes. none of the others will.
2: McKelty
0: Williams? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And then who's the other guy is someone, I just watched that recently and was surprised <laughs> to find out that the other cop was someone... Is it the guy? Or no, was it Manhunter that has the guy from WKRP in Cincinnati in it? <laughs> yeah. Travis? Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm thinking of. Uh, yeah. With <laughs> Right.
1: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: Just think if heat did the point of view thing talking about how different man and Demi are, but like De Niro and Pacino at that diner and they're doing the point of view camera, like gazing lovingly into each other's <laughs> oh, eyes. Oh, that'd
0: be great. I yeah. Know. Then we get to look into their eyes. Um, <sighs> Buddy, you're going Now this down. could be, uh, and, uh, you know, you interviewed her, so I don't want to tell tales tell- out the tell- school. And this might just be telephone game yeah. gossip, but I heard those two dated, that they hooked up. Ted Levine and Brooke yeah. Smith. I love it. Well, you know, and as I say this, uh, I'm wrong. I don't know. Somebody told me this and it's a rumor. It's gossip. I don't know. But... I mean,
2: that was that just like the cultural consciousness shipping them together because I... of Silence of the Lambs and their twisted relationship? <laughs> yeah,
0: let's put it under the category of not true. It's, it's a rumor that's not true, but I think probably what people like about it was that it's like, um, yeah, what if Tom and Jerry were friends?
2: Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I love that.
0: Uh, but I guess we already have that. You said they were, they were friends. And well, yeah, you
2: right. got Lecter and Clarice. They're kind of got a romantic thing and Brooke Smith and Buffalo Bill. Yeah. And Catherine.
0: then Jack, there was some scenes between her and that was in Brantley's notes. I noticed, but uh, uh, where there was a romantic suggestion some scenes with her and uh, Scott Glenn that they Uh, cut
2: out. Yeah, you kind of wonder.
0: It's good, though, because when he shakes her hand at the end and he says your father would be proud, you're like, oh, that's what this was all about. He was just her dad. Yeah. Um, And if you look at it it as, like, somebody in search of her father and there's, like, three different people she can, like, pick from. Yeah. And Hannibal's, like, the least. (laughs) Or you're like, oh, I guess maybe my principal. I did think comparing it to Manhunter... When they get on a personal jet, it ain't no fleet, uh, Lear jet, oh, like a no. Manhunter. Remember, yeah, it's they... a prop <laughs> military plane. I was like, who wants to sit? knee to knee with their boss. On a oh, that
2: plane. Yes. I know. Yeah. They are close quarters. Yeah. I'd be
0: like, can we just get a commercial a training and we get two separate cars? Like this is weird. <laughs> no boss and employee should be no. on a personal jet like that. No, absolutely not. Uh, it seems like how they keep the two people who know the formula for Coke, like separate from each other. <laughs> all time. You know. That's uh, right. The, uh, 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 Oh, what I was going to say, though, you get little nibbles of what a movie is if it's out for 10 years before you eventually see it. So I had the course, opposite yeah. experience of you got to see it in a theater kind of fresh. Um, so you knew lines like, I eat his liver with a fava bean and a nice Chianti. Yes, Yeah. yes. And uh, <laughs> uh, like, right, and like Billy Crystal's references to it or... It was on a Showtime free preview weekend, and on a Sunday night, my parents were watching it, and it's a fun buzz in the house. Mom and Dad are watching a movie, and they seem into it; uh, like they're not leaving. Yeah. They're like, wow, this is pretty cool. Then Amy, my oldest sister, came home, and she had already seen it. So she's like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Huh? So this buzz is building around what's going on. Polly's too young to go in there. I can't see what's going on, but it's so tantalizing that I like peeked in for two moments. And so they
2: would, they would watch a movie while you were still awake and basically say like you just can't come Sorry.
0: Home. Yep. Wow. I mean, luckily we have different TVs. yeah. So maybe oh, right. I can like, it's yeah. not like I'm totally losing out, but yeah. it is kind of like, I mean what I was telling you earlier about feeling like I'm a little country mouse trying to yeah speak up loud enough and not be nervous about it. I'm the youngest kid. Yeah. People are off watching scary movies yeah. and I'm outside being like, beep, 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 yeah. can I please? Uh, I know that uh, feeling, yeah. But uh, I poked in and I saw the part where he's talking and he's got the Carolina boots because my dad sold Carolina boots. It's like behind him during the scene right before she pulls the gun on him. You just see oh. these like... But I must have seen something around before that because I did see the the tuck? penis tuck. Oh, which was wow. your ten? It's like what? But what's crazy about it, to see it as a kid is like I do that.
2: My I know. friends and I do
0: that. But <laughs> so it's I not do, that.
2: Like, <laughs> but even when I saw it at eighteen, I don't think I fully understood. I was like, is he tucking or does he not have one? Is that the point? I don't
3: understand. Oh right, it I'm sitting between post- my mom
2: and my sister. Oh God, help yeah.
0: me. I love them the, the magician's cell that he kind of does at the bottom oh, of the know, screen now. I now know. you see it. He kinda does a hard tuck and like a little ollie <laughs> movement. Little, little distraction. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. then the reveal. Yeah. Oh and god. The, I mean, um Ted Levine is like the actor. Like, it's like, how could you not love it? The performance is great, but you're also like. Not everybody would do that. No. And this is like a person you know he's doing it because it's like. This is a vision. This is somebody's vision, and as an actor, I'm clicking into it, and that's like what's awesome about this. And
2: he's so taut and sinewy and thin. And then any other time I've ever seen him in a movie, he's a huge lumbering bald man.
0: Oh, he's kind of like almost walrus like. He's yeah, because he yeah, he boop, usually does boop. have that
2: like bristle mustache, yep. and he's he, he's just barrel chested and stout. It's wow. just hard to believe that's the same guy that's in Heat, you know? Yeah. And Except
0: then, the voice. That's when you always hear it, you know. Right, 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 right. Oh. But then uh, who was the bad guy in the um, man hunter? Um, oh, Brian Hart- Cox. Uh, no, uh, oh, uh, uh, Hart- Harry, Harry Mide. Uh, Dollar Hyde. Yeah, but what's his
2: name? Uh, Tom Noonan.
0: Yeah, just both of those performances are about like to some other place in your brain Um, the comparison though between you mentioning Brian Cox um, I wouldn't have known this having not watched Manhunter recently and then talking about how Brian Cox shared that the reason his back is to um, Will um, Sasso (laughs) Uh, Will Graham comes and first sees in in Manhunter his back is to it and then Brian Cox said is because um, when he came in and auditioned the casting director said oh I had to sit in front of a I didn't get a clear view of your play but I heard your voice and I thought it was really good could you just say the lines as Hannibal and so he did it just hearing the voice and whatever that effect had of hearing Brian Cox's voice before connecting it to his face they just implicated that in, or or, or put it in, uh-huh. um, implemented it, sorry, in Manhunter. Uh-huh. So that's like why he gets introduced in kind of like that tiger-like way of like his backs to him and he like oh, looks wow. over. But what blew my mind, I want to put it together, unless we've been watching these movies side by side, Brantley Palmer's notes said it was Anthony Hopkins' suggestion to do that thing of like being standing there, yeah. which is so fucking cool when he's first standing introduced. Standing at
2: attention, yeah. And
0: he's standing at attention. Those are two entirely like diametrically opposed right. choices and performances. One is like you don't see me at all, and the other is like I'm full front to you. Yeah. Um, also, it seems like I don't think this is intentional. But when he's first going to see Hannibal, she starts getting taken down like a white tiled. Room and it's like it looks like the Manhunter yeah. Hannibal Lecter you think you're prison. Heading, yeah, and then they do like a funny little right turn, and then you're like Castle Greystone.
2: Every like, building in this movie has a underground stone layer.
0: You're right. It's crazy the amount of little hidden. Yeah, even the um tests, which I love. That's a thing that they keep going back yeah. to with the on the when the training. Yeah. Like, those trainings kind of work as little, like, tricks.
2: Yeah, even Crawford's office is cinder block. You know, it's painted, but yeah. it's still. Yeah,
0: there's always something a little underneath everything. It's a little you skin crawl. Yeah. Um, the uh, so, so, oh, and then the other thing that I, it was like the movie's ending. So we're opening the door and I'm walking in. And so they were like, what did he just say? Oh, I'm gonna have a friend for dinner. Ha ha ha, that's so funny. My family was laughing about it. And then I saw the end credits of like Anthony Hopkins looking like Rutger Hauer <laughs> and like walking somebody down in like carnival. Like yeah. in, in a completely different country. So I was like, what, what the fuck? How was did this we get movie? from point
2: A to point B? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, another reason this movie is so amazing is because it's just all about the impact of the characters and the t- stakes of the stories. You don't realize how flawless the story and the plot are. There's no, right. it's just, you're never, you know, in a lot of thrillers, you kind of have to double back and go, wait, who's doing this or what's going on here. And this one has a little bit because you don't know where they are at the end. And that's intentional, but it's so tight. It's the, just yeah, so and, seamless. And
0: where you're like locating yourself, it's like the those close up shots when they're like looking at each other, sometimes you might not um always get the benefit of like the wide shot or whatever that like locates you in the yeah. like I noticed this um like when I was watching it, I was like, Oh, whenever they go to um the Ted Levine stuff, there's no Hand holding like of a dissolve mm. or like a fade out. Oh, and yeah. And I was like, we're an exterior shot. That's interesting. And then it, it occurred to me, I was like, oh, that they don't do the exterior shot because it would yeah. blow it. Right. But the, they, In fact,
2: they go to the opposite. They go straight to a close-up, I think, usually on him sewing or something. Yeah,
0: like. yeah, yeah. So yeah. you can't, or you, but it pays off because now you don't know his house. So when yeah. she shows up at the different one, you know, or whatever, like it makes sense. But the impact of that, it really does make you feel whatever, <laughs> sub-tier in a lower dungeon-like yeah. feeling. Though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, the, uh, uh, what was I was going to say the. Well, what, what, what were you going to say when friend? first well,
2: just Well, uh, I'll just start peppering some notes in here. Yes. Uh, Chilton has a tie with French horns on it, which was just such a wonderful little touch.
0: <laughs> do you think he's like a former band teacher.
2: Yeah, or like he's into classical music too. So, like, he and Hannibal do have this sort of the two sides of the same coin. In That's a way.
0: great. I know, but he's got classical music playing while he's reading Bon Appetit. It's oh, I know. Very funny.
2: When they take the moth cocoon out of the dead girl and the gases escape, and you hear the or the, it's like, a, it's just harrowing,
0: it's dude. Just that was the first time I noticed that. Yeah, I can't oh, believe. Yeah. Like I've watched this movie countless times. I remember that. I owned it. I pulled out the disc. I got to put it in. We watched it. When
2: you pulled out the disc, did it go? <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: like the sound of when they release a uh, Vader's helmet. Yes, that little. Like, um, I love that sound I thought it well, you know when I heard it last night that's what it is it's the body I took it like when I saw it it almost seemed like a mystical level of like it, the soul it feels or all yeah it feels the 21 to, grams uh huh all of that way <laughs> um, all of that bug stuff too is so good when that bug gets crushed oh. and the goo comes out that's like um I, 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 you know those close-ups of really gross stuff like it's funny like that one close-up of her fingernail being up and off during the autopsy I'm like when they're on set and they're like setting up that shot do they know that that image will birth not just like a subgenre a like genre of the like Graphic, gross. I mean, seven took it from there, yeah. And then CSI, like, I wonder because
2: the one thing that's amazing about movies is when you see a prop like that in real life, it looks so fake, and you just—that's when you realize oh, how saw important, too. sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. how important lighting is, yeah, and and lenses and framing. I've never seen. A human or a body or a bio, like biological prosthetic that has ever looked real in real life. You know what's
0: yes and what's wild about that autopsy scene and how it looks real is you think they're being coy they're not going to show something right? Yeah. And you're oh, just seeing yeah. parts and then at the end they end on this like overhead wide shot of her body with her things and you're like Oh, it wasn't that you were being coy. You were just like waiting for the punch to the
2: end. And it's so wide that it wouldn't look fake if you were close. Um, But they do something smart too, uh because when they pull the cocoon, that's the real, that's a real person they're pulling that. That's not a prosthetic head. And they talk about that, how they had to make that cocoon out of like Tootsie Rolls and stuff like that. I yeah. know, Cause even when they open her mouth, you can tell it's a real human and you would know the difference between a prosthetic and uh-huh. you know, they're really close up on what's his name, Ben, the guy that Buffalo Bill's first victim whose head is in that jar. Yes. You can see the, you know, individually poked in hairs of that prosthetic right. and everything, but it's so decayed and everything that it, yeah. it kind of works. It's,
0: yeah. Right. Right. The, but that autopsy her back, like oh, being like that, is, um, and, and the, um, that using what you know about formulaic movies against you which kind of is the whole movie like the you think the guys scott glenn and the boys are gonna siege the place and get it because you've seen a hundred movies do this the whole time but then it fits in thematically, which is kind of like, yeah, fucker, you thought the boys were going to do it right. But no, it's the good, like, yeah. so it's not even just like pussyfoot, it's not just a trick. It like fits in with like what the movie's trying to say. But the like thing of um, using formula against you, that's the way I've kind of been like thinking about movies in the 90s in general, and then everything that has inspired it henceforth like It Follows or Barbarian that idea of and maybe Jonathan Demme kind of kicked it off with like Silence of the Lambs of I know you've seen so much formulaic stuff I'm going to use that as an asset to like surprise you because then yeah. that becomes Well I always all... wonder how
2: that's going to work in the long run because then it will mean you know people seeing movies in 2050 have to be familiar with the precursors in a certain way. I don't think that right. that applies to this. I think this movie would work regardless
0: of of what of the like um, you
2: don't need to know tropes, you know, it helps, right? But certain movies that do like actively play against tropes means you have to be fluent in the tropes as well. And there will be a point where all of this will be lumped into the same yeah. era and you wouldn't necessarily know one trope came before the other,
0: you know, maybe it's not a, a right. What you're saying is like it's not necessarily, um a trope when you watch it, you're seeing somebody like use tools.
2: Yeah. Like, and influences like, for instance, uh, true detective, this, this is like the fingerprints of this are all over true detective, mm-hmm. particularly this last season. I mean, obviously because there's a kind of like a Clarice mm-hmm. analog here and, and maybe it's, <gasps> it's pulling a little too much. I think now that I'm watching the show from, from things. Cause there's a, a, been a couple moments in this new season where it's, one detective, Jody Foster, as a matter of fact, mm. saying, ask the right questions, ask the right questions, which is not a verbatim lift from this movie, but is very present in Hannibal Lecter going, you know, oh. you're not, you're not looking at the right thing. You're not asking right. the right thing. Yeah. And, and I'm starting to wonder in this new tree detective, how much is homage and how much is kind of maybe a little bit of laziness or a little Sloppy bit of
0: references. Yeah, yeah.
2: Or references for the sake of references. Yeah.
0: I, I'm all caught up, too. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. she. You're right. She's sort of diverged from Clarice. Like, the the main difference of, like, her and Clarice is, like, what I like about Clarice is she's sort of like Tracy Flick. She's, like, wants to get the A, wants mm-hmm. to, is sort of a, a nerd. Yeah. And I, I can't even see, like, her character now is, like, it, A jaded ex Tracy Flick. I don't even see any sort of residue of the like, by the book. It it seems like this person, her character in True Detective is more about, I've always been trying to create a shape for myself. Yeah. Even if that means pushing things down. Clarice, that's not her style. I think Uh, it's just
2: there's certain references to the thing and the shine and stuff like that. But I'm starting to feel like they're in there just for cool fixes Uh, I I I, I'm 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 curious where it's gonna go especially with the supernatural versus what's reality Mm -hmm. I'm I'm along for the ride I'm definitely enjoying watching it but I don't know that I have quite the same um stick
0: the landing faith that I'm exactly how I feel I was like when I watched the last episode I was like well there's no way I'm not gonna watch this whole season because I want to know the answers and you know uh but, yeah, those references feel a little empty calorie, kind of yeah. like and then the um like uh, uh, um a thing I don't like about a thing I don't like about TV shows that are about mysteries, it's like, not everything has to be a mystery. It's like the way they like coyly reveal relationships between her and yeah. like... Mysteries are more interesting when... Or, or, or a chess board is more interesting when you know what the chess does. <laughs> 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 like, what the moves are and who what the players are. Yeah. Like, when they're, like... I like having mysteries of, like, what's going on with these guys and then But when, when you're being... Ooh, what's going on with like relationships and personal histories. Uh, yeah. It's, it's uh, like, are they unfolding clarify it? So that there's like, unfolding interesting
2: f- for story's sake and there's unfolding yes. for deliberately tantalizing the viewer. You said that better. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I think one, of the reasons why I f- found season one of true detective to just be incredible is that it walked the line so well between unveiling a mystery but also not giving you every piece of the solution at the end, deliberately, not as a, as a punishment, but as a, this is how life is. You can't have a clean bow on the end of this thing. That's true. That is how it felt. What's happening in this new season is that it's starting to connect so much to the first season with Matthew McConaughey's father, uh, Tuttle United, which is the same name of the family that was the conspiracy in the first one that didn't suffer any consequences. Oh, and I'm just wondering, are these nods for the Reddit fans or people like me who's admittedly like I know all the lore and all the <laughs> details and I love it, but I don't want that just thrown as a bone. And it's not necessarily like I want that to be the the underlying thing for the bigger conspiracy, but what other thing could it be there for other than you're just throwing fan service, which mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, I know we've gotten a lot of good feedback about doing a True Detective hey, season one season. Bring so it on, bring so yeah, it on. Yeah, yeah I
0: mean... Um yeah the uh uh, uh uh the other like um uh, my friend pointed out the the event with the like uh, snow station or whatever Yes, yeah, oh,
2: Salal. So yeah. Yeah.
0: If that happened in real life, that would be international I know. news. Also, yes, like, 100%. They, the and, whole world would know, what was that fucking crazy thing that happened? <laughs> like the Love Pass answers. that's
2: like semi-based on a real yep. event. Uh-huh. Or also when the one Swedish guy wakes up in that corpsicle, I think as they're calling it, and just starts screaming, the rest of that episode, no one's like, fucking dude woke up out of this snow cone.
0: Oh, they should be like the most insane thing in the history of humans which is a man was fully dead and then came to life. Yeah. Uh, Happened before our eyes, but we'll spend the next... (laughs) <laughs> We're digging through old photographs. <laughs> Maybe the answers are somewhere here. in the shape of a spiral. Yeah, no so, oh yeah. yeah. Uh, but I do that, like the. You're not asking the right questions. That's very satisfying as a detective to hear that. Be like, no, you got to ask that. Yeah. I love that. That's but the, cool. that,
2: I feel like this is where it's pulling straight from. Yeah, it does feel like. And don't get me wrong. I, I, I am in on this season. I like it. I'm, I'm totally reserving my judgment till sure. it's over. But it does feel like the creator watched the thing watched Silence of the Lambs watched The Shining and maybe one or two other things and went okay let me pepper all these things in there
0: it's also the thing that True Detective and Mirror of Easttown had which is the rarest thing 99% of shows can't do it which is like it doesn't feel and look like TV when you're watching it and most shows it's like the pilot might look like a movie or might like look like something But when they landed in episode two or three in that precinct, and I'm like, this looks like fucking She's the Sheriff. This like well-lit set that I know is a set. And I'm like, they built this after the pilot so they would have the precinct set. I'm like, I see TV here. That's okay. It's okay. TV's great. It's just like, what's special about those things that we talk about are like, oh, it went beyond. You you didn't even see the TV production in it. But my whole, you know, I have a thing which is like, I think it's impossible to get something on television that is a gorilla. Like I was watching an uh, old Larry Cohen movie where they stole a shot of a, a guy in New York getting into his car. And I'm like, there's no way they got a permit for that. But it's alive and it feels, looks different because the angle isn't an angle you would necessarily do if you had a whole crew time, there and yeah. stuff but um i'm like oh that can't really ever be in series television because as soon as you sign off that it's a television production then the crew expectations have to right. match it and you're yeah. Im- uh, immediately out of it i mean that's what i guess was exciting about louis that first season. it did feel like is he making this with like four that first season of like Louis first yeah. few on FX it was like, is he making this with like three people? Can I know. He Cause he that? was That's editing cool. on his
2: laptop and yeah, yeah, yeah. But
0: anyway, sorry. Um, going back to silence of the lambs. How about that? Orion logo, baby. Oh
2: yeah. Oh, not since platoon in 1986.
0: Hey, Hey, uh, Brantley's notes pointed out dances with wolves won best picture. Orion next year uh, uh, silence of the Lambs right. did platoon yeah. one. Uh, the re the reason Orion was making all these critical artistic gems and kind of a, during a bankrupt artistic period was, I think we talked about it before, but the, when UA United artists collapsed around heaven's gate and all of the like brains of that, uh, um, went over. Um, Mike Medavoy mm-hmm. um, went over and started Orion and then they kind of created a little mini studio with HBO and got money but they were able to exist as sort of the you look back on it like Robocop and Three Amigos their movies are like just they don't feel like if they're product they're like interesting weird product mm-hmm. but um Jonathan Demme was like a Mike Metavoy's boy. So anything he did, he got pretty much full artistic control. So Something Wild is like, um, it ends similarly with like the credits rolling up over a sort of Caribbean (laughs) flavor.
2: (laughs) That's that's (laughs) his watermark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's fascinating too is the the story of how this all unfolds sequel-wise and how Dino Mm. De Laurentiis owns the rights to Lecter for Manhunter, doesn't want to do the sequel. So Orion comes to him and says, can we do this? And I was actually surprised to hear this. He says, yes. And furthermore, you don't have to pay for it. Because in according to Brantley's notes, you can say no and be a dick, or you can let them have it, and it will buoy your property as well. I like so that then, So then Orion... Owns the rights to Clarice Starling. This reminds me of the way Blofeld unfolds yes. in the Bond movies. Yes. That Kevin McClory has a right to Blofeld Inspector, even though he doesn't have the right to James Bond.
0: And it's all because of novels, not because somebody yes, wrote an original. Yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah, right, right, right.
2: And so then, then Orion folds, right? And so Universal wants to do Red Dragon, but they have to. MGM then owns the rights to
0: Clarice. Hannibal's before Red Dragon, so they had to figure out Dino De Laurentiis that is like, Hannibal is Hannibal, back right. mine yes, now. That's but right. now I have to get Clarice from Orion, MGM. Yeah. Right, right? Yes. Right,
2: so they go to Universal, <laughs> right? And they have to get these disparate elements together and they somehow do it. it I, what, which is insane. so funny
0: because that became as you can see, by the end there, it becomes a very a thing people are using to get and pulling, whereas it initially started with Sony being like, yeah, okay, you can use it. You don't even have to pay me. Yeah, And, and they, then like five years later, it's like the... Fuck
2: you, pay me. Yeah. Because <laughs> what was... Didn't De Laurentiis... He didn't give them the rights to the sequel and, and wasn't Universal slow-walking one of his releases as a sort of oh. bargaining chip? That's in the notes. I forget what it was.
0: Wow. Well, and then that or they had distribution on one of his films. I mean, you could see that the taste of the movies and the way they work out is with this franchise, if you want to call it, is like really at the whims of a producer, because yeah. unless you have, uh, Mike Metavoy or, uh, Gary Gertzman, uh, who's Jonathan Demme's producing partner, who licorice pizza is based on his childhood. Oh, I didn't Gary realize Gertzman, that. Uh, yeah. Um, but if you don't have those two... Oh. If you don't have those producers in that studio protecting the artist, the director with taste to make this, like, s- horror movie, like but you get, like, <laughs> Dito De La Renta's, you go, oh, then it becomes Hannibal. Yeah. And is not bad, right. but it, it is more lurid Yeah, or... and I think also Man
2: was able to probably have the the dominant mm-hmm. touch of that mm-hmm. was Gary Getzman young when he produced silence of the lambs. He must've been right. So
0: he was a child actor. Yeah, that's right. And then, uh, around the time of like, stop making sense. And, uh, he started working with Jonathan Demi and producing stuff. So he probably would have been in his early thirties by that point. Wow. Cause in the seventies, if he was yeah a teenager, yeah or uh, if I'm doing that right, or early yeah, I 70s, think right. he was a teenager. Um, but, uh, it'd be funny if there was a licorice pizza sequel where you get to see <laughs> him
2: making, yeah. Besides oh, ones. that'd be amazing. <laughs> and dealing with Dino De Laurentiis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did this movie invent the villain in the void cage where there's a, a cage, but that cage is within a larger room. So speaking of Skyfall, Silva's in one of those and yes. a larger room. Magneto's in one, in one of the X-Men You're movies. right. And it, it is this thing, I'm trying to think, you know, hit us up in the comments if there's more of those you can think of, but it does become a kind of trope, that like yes. luxurious prison. That I it, bet you
0: could legit come up with 25 tropes that Silence of the Lambs yeah. refined and kicked off that other people, But because yeah, that's so true, Matt, I never thought about that, but the idea of the like, the killer, the villain who's so deadly, you can't have chairs near him. No. (laughs) He might kick the chair at you. Yeah.
2: And every one of those villains escapes from, those three I've mentioned at least, escape from those things.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah. That's right. There's a good um, F. Murray Abraham spoof of Silence of the Lambs and Loaded Weapon 1, (laughs) National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon 1, that like, it's legit still holds up because what's so funny about Hannibal and these scenes and the movie? I mean, we've mentioned romance and the scares. Sounds like Lamb's is also very funny. Yes, it is. Like That's when right. he's reading through the pages. Uh, when she hands him the questionnaire, and he leans back, and he's flipping through it, he looks over, and he like gives her a little wink. Yeah. Like, oh, I that, that hey, whole a let me look through this It's like yeah. a
2: three-pronged uh, delivery where he turns his head, then he smiles, and then he winks. And you you think he's done with the smile, and then he does the wink, and it's
0: impeccable. Uh, yeah, it's so uh, uh, perfect. But the uh, why was I mentioning that, oh, that it's funny, too, because uh, I was going to fight you. Well, maybe just that, but, um,
2: uh, uh, when he does escape from that prison, I just think about in real time, all the things he has to do. So first he has to skin that guy's face. Ooh, he has to swap all their clothing. Ooh. Then he has to, uncuff and hang Charles Napier up on those bars with that flag to create that butterfly image. Ooh, like
0: any errands, you wish the hard ones came first. I know. So you it's, could just kind of Relax. Little, but then instead they're getting harder and harder for Hannibal. But then he does a whole lighting design on that room. When yeah. you come in, <laughs> I love the smoke machine. He got going. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so how long was Hannibal he up like, there?
0: I like to think that he set it up and then he was like, this doesn't look like an Aerosmith video. What do I gotta Come do here? He's like, and he like puts a fog <laughs> machine going. I like that they tried to put like a little smoke, like he had smoke burning there to to explain the like Tony Scott mist that yeah, it's found very yeah, Michael Bay. <laughs> uh, which uh, hey, that's a oh, and he also has to do the other tough errand on his list. He's got to lower his fucking pulse so oh, that right. they mistake him for a guy who's dying.
2: And he's got to put a guy in the elevator and do that whole elevator charade. Yeah.
0: He's yeah. a... I wouldn't be surprised if before he was a psychiatrist, Hannibal Lecter was a stage manager. I, whole, he kind of has a bit of... The yeah, talent. or a stage magician. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dr. Uh, Hannibal Dini. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, the, uh, uh, did you notice too at the beginning that font, the little like block letters, the white around the black the thing,
2: with the white outline
0: over trees that are like bare what? twin peaks came out like the same month. What's going oh, on there? Yeah. What's happening in the old zeitgeist for block lettering over? It was, I did notice like, the trees. Font. Yeah. Um, I've said this before, but coming, driving to your, um, house today particularly it's such a nice little atmosphere it's rainy because it was rainy but bare trees i was like felt like i was driving in the dead zone or something oh yeah Uh, which reminds me the whole build-up to hannibal like you hear his name then she has to go he gets his whole background detail shared with her. You go down one hallway, another hallway. He's at the end of the hallway. Um, I was thinking it's like funny that it's like built like, um, like a, a roadside spook house yeah. basically operates. It's yes. like, come on in. Oh, yeah. There's snakes at the end of the hallway. <laughs> if like, you dare. Oh, okay. You yeah. just like keep walking.
2: Because the three other prisoners could be uh, like uh, animatronic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Uh, uh, so the fact that there's like Oscar-winning movie is just like employed like roadside uh, uh, tricks, you know, yeah. to get you to, uh, but um, the uh, when she's Going in there and he's getting built up. I was trying to think. I don't think there's ever been a forget horror monster, but a villain who gets that sort of You know what's introduction funny? of like this person is scary. He should it's not there's other people who kinda of, oh, I didn't know Dracula was a vampire. He's just an elegant man. No, but but I, this being like 10 minutes of full-on, like... I'm just
2: realizing Skyfall borrows so much from this movie because there's he doesn't come in until halfway through the movie and there's a lot of talk of like, you don't know fear. You don't know until this guy. That's right. And and there's just all this talk about him. And then he ends up in the same type of cage. Mm-hmm. There's like the swap. I'm, well, and
0: Anthony Hopkins was never a bomb villain, but it seems like... He should have been. Still could be. Was he offered the Tomorrow Never Dies, I think, maybe?
2: Something like that.
0: Um, but when he is in a Mission Impossible movie, right? Is he? I think he might be in like part two or something. Oh. Because when he pulled off that mask, it, the the skin oh, yeah. in the ambulance, I'm like, this is the weirdest Mission Impossible <laughs> mask reveal I've ever seen. <laughs> Your
2: mission, should you choose to eat it? <laughs> Uh, I just want to shout out what a wonderful touch it is to have Buffalo Bill's real name. Well, it's John Grant, I guess. But the fact that it's just Jame. Not James. Not Jim. James. Not Jamie. Jame Gum. G-U-M-B.
0: Jame Gum. If your last name was Gum, you would try to stay away from the moom sounds as much as possible. No, I'm sorry. If your last name is Gum, you're
2: going to end up like Buffalo Bill.
0: And Jame jame
2: jame gum and that's an alias so he chose that well boy! Mm, red flag anagram that they left for the audience
0: Ooh. wait a minute eat pez oh rip off <laughs> uh uh chub
2: mage <laughs> chubby mage hmm. um um the the doorbell at James Gum's house, down in the basement, this is like yeah. a out of Frankenstein's lab.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's really worried about guests. But just it's like lightning inside that thing, and the <laughs> just Yeah, right, right, right. Industrial. They got a theremin going too. <laughs> um, with Jodie Foster um, playing this part, um, I don't know if it's really conscious in people's mind, but you do kind of go in the back of your mind like, she said it in her movies had to deal with some psychos and right. in real life has had to deal with right. some psychos, Travis Bickle, but then John Hinckley, you in real life right. wants to go shoot Reagan to impress her. right? So she kind of has this thing in her head, right, of like, you know, psychos are out there. I don't know how much, but there's got to be something that kind of she brings. I mean, I read an interview with Jodie Foster once where she said she had to start, she recognized that she was unconsciously choosing victim parts. Huh. People who are victims and then about creating how they put their lives together being victims. And um, uh, and so that when Silence of the Lambs came along, it was sort of about, oh, I'm in the position of somebody who wants to help victims. Um, but the... Um, Jodie Foster, uh, uh, just what I was gonna say is like um, I don't know the uh, um, when she said like I don't want to play victim roles and stuff too or I was aware that I was unconsciously doing that, it just it makes you go like, oh, what is that biographical? too right so but when you're watching the silence of the lambs it does have a little bit of a a pop of um Ooh, i'd like to see her go and get john hinckley i know <laughs> well she spanked really around.
2: pursued this role right. and um the the way it, the story goes in the notes is that demi had a meeting with her and he still wanted meg ryan or michelle pfeiffer but then he had a second meeting and was won over but then that was the original story and then i think in i don't know like 2015 or something at an event he said he just ultimately was resigned that the studio was forcing her to be in it where they gave him hannibal lecter because they didn't um, anthony hopkins they didn't want hopkins but he got that in it and that's and Crazy. he tells
0: it as kind of like a funny story. Is that right? Uh, he seems like a kind man. So yeah, definitely. But, but uh, he tells it as like, you're wait- I've heard him tell the story. You're waiting for the shoe to drop for a long time. It's like, I didn't oh. want her. We were on set. I still didn't think it was working out. And I think he tells the story as like, how foolish okay, am I that good. I never But she clearly- must have sensed
2: that. How can you act in those? I've been in a play once where I know the director did not want me. And mm. I, I just was not really strong enough to overcome that and it's really a testament
0: the one time I got uh, fired from an acting job where the show continued but I didn't Um, it was one of those situations from the first day on set not because of people were being rude or mean I could just in my body feel like I've been miscast and this is not working.
2: I hear when I was watching the special features to casino Royale, which then led me to watch casino Royale, of course. Uh, But just all the hate for Daniel Craig. And he had to make that movie with all the hate happening at that time. Oh, And to be able to step up and go as the way he says it is like, well, I knew we're making a good movie, but I knew then we had to make the best. I just, That's crazy to me. Or like when Lucas was making Star Wars and all the crew, all the British crew was just laughing at him behind his back. Because he had like basically something short of a heart attack during that.
0: Well, it's funny. Like, uh, I think I heard David Vintra once say like, I'm trying to think of what would be more annoying for George Lucas. At the beginning of his career, people going like, yeah, okay. C-3PO, dude. Whatever you go with that. And people like, mocking you for that. Or then when you bring back the thing, people second guessing, bringing it back.
2: Well, he, that's probably why he was just all in on what he did for those prequels. Cause he's like, I've, I've had people laughing behind my back. Or
0: I guess nobody was though.
2: That's the thing. Everybody was yes manning him on those things.
0: Yeah. He yeah. just needed, um, a Marshall Lucas. Yeah. yeah. Not a, Gary a Rick McCallum. Yeah, yeah. Just somebody kind of goes, hey, I might not be. Yeah. Um, the, um, the other uh, name in this, along with Gary Getzman, is uh, Tak Fujimoto. who's oh, yeah, um, Demi's uh, starting with him. Yeah, um, I would and, always name
2: check that name as a kid, and I didn't know who he was, or I didn't know what a director of photography was. Because the coolest, Tak Fujimoto. <laughs>
0: um, the seeing their uh, friendship love relationship evolve the um oh in her opening in her scene with lecter i feel like it has like real substitute teacher energy, mm. which my heart really goes out for, which is somebody has to be in a position of authority, but they're a little, you can see they're a little nervous oh, about yeah. it.
2: It's the worst. I, I really feel for people when they're that way.
0: are <laughs> like, we're going to have a fun day today. We're going to uh, open your textbooks here. And you're like, oh my God, please, please help this person.
2: That was the one thing I was so thankful about for taking acting classes that when I was teaching college, and or I was teaching as a grad student at 21, yeah. Going, this is a true fake it till you make it kind of thing. Oof. Just go in there. Don't be like yeah. a, an authoritative asshole, but go in there and act like you belong there because there wasn't an ounce of me that
0: believed I did. You know, right? But I guess if you come in, they can smell it. On yeah, you can't, blah, drop blah, no, you can't blood drop a blood in the shark tank. No, no. <laughs> um, I think we do have to discuss uh, minks multiple Migs 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 yeah, Migs yeah. Uh, uh multiple Migs because he's a uh, multiple, multiple personality. personality yeah now what Migs does is gross I don't know <laughs> um is it the first ejaculate in a Hollywood movie good maybe? question I have no um, idea um like no a fox and the hound uh, <laughs> multiple <laughs> examples um <laughs> uh now, in defense... <laughs> okay, I'm all ears. Uh, I was thinking about it, and I was like I was going to bed last night. I was like, wait a minute. The reason Lecter offered up that clue at the end was because he felt bad that Mings did that. Yeah. Would have Buffalo Bill ever been caught if Mings had never flung... Jizz. Think about it. If he hadn't done that, she wouldn't have gone back. He wouldn't have gotten the clue. She might not have ever gone back to Lecter again. That's
2: true. That's the linchpin moment.
0: So, if anything, Caroline, the girl who's saved at the end? Yeah. Is that her name? Catherine. Catherine. Too bad Mings isn't alive. She should be thanking him.
2: She should visit his grave every day. Yeah.
0: Also, Mings chewing his own tongue off based on Lecter-like online bullying him
2: for hours they said he was talking to him for hours <laughs> the one thing I love too is that you know Lecter's appalled by what Megs does but there's the other guy after he does it in the first cell that's like Migs god damn it what are you doing he's like, appalled too it's kind of like there's this like hey there's the four of us down here this is elite we can't we, can't, we gotta be you know keeping up appearances here yeah. also we're not gonna get this attractive young woman down here again if you're doing what you're doing Although the one guy was silent, the other guy was...
0: It is like any group of four boys, though. There's always one guy who's blowing it with the chicks. Absolutely. Thanks. Keep it together, man. <laughs> we want to have girls over. Uh, yeah, the... Uh, uh, with her getting that... Um, um, Jizz? Yeah, but... but uh, uh, Ejaculate? No, I to...
2: Spunk. Man chowder.
0: Uh I forget what I was going to say about Ming's. I don't know. <laughs> Ming's is that his name? Migs Migs. Um <laughs> I think the uh uh the I like uh Hannibal's love for a, a pun, the yourself parking. Oh thing. yeah. Um, and anagrams. That's another one of those things where that garage scene in another movie oh. could have been a dime a dozen but they fucking care. Oh god. Don't they?
2: That scene. It, I actually that's the thing about this movie is it walks just up to the the border of I don't want to watch it cuz it eeries me out as uh-huh. much and maybe that scene and and some of the backskin scenes yeah. but
0: The garage scene you're right. That It makes me uncomfortable, but it's also entrapment, like all the other scenes that are scary. It's about, like, what if you got, but she's so cool. Like, you realize how Clarice is the shit in that scene because this guy's not going to help her open it. She's like, whatever, I'll get a jack, and she puts it under the door and drinks it. Like, it's so cool. But then that thing is just filled with, like, kind of classic hack I I know psycho stuff of like like stuffed owls and
2: mannequins carnival funhouse. yeah (laughs) so
0: somehow it works you know know. like um, the and then the head in the jar the discovery of that that feels like the art film version of like the Jaws head review yeah it is (laughs) it is like a Jaws, like the blockbuster thing this is like the Oscar witty like ooh a touch of class yeah
2: tastefully done
0: did you know uh, my friend Mike? Uh, he grew up in Fort Dodge, and he still be. He never visited it. He, uh, you just know the town, your town strip club. Yeah, there's what's called a touch of class. <sighs> yeah, you're not going to some gross strip club. No, in Fort I'm Dodge sure. Isle.
2: I'm sure it was the height of propriety. Oh, I bet when
0: you walked in, people were wearing top hats and-, and
2: they're just like, by the way, when you come in here, no nudity. <laughs> These women are in Victorian dresses, neck to ankle.
0: Singing Cole Porter songs. <laughs> uh, We're
2: showing the fox and the hound. The jizzless version.
0: <laughs> oh, I remember the thing I was going to say about multiple mings what when leslie and i were watching it and <laughs> you it, called
2: them mings again oh, oh, don't, no, it? don't ever change i think it's just let's make it that and who knows maybe that's what it is <laughs> that's
0: what it is i think is why i'm saying it because it definitely is that <laughs> uh when she said when leslie and i watched it the, on their second date hannibal and clarice's second date when she's like says he says something salty and she goes, I don't know, that seems like something Migs.
2: Oh, a little vulgar. Yes, it sounds like something Migs would say. Yeah. Migs would
0: say, me and Leslie together went, oh! Yeah, she's, <laughs> she she that's like her
2: first time she learned how to play his game. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, he doesn't want to seem crass. No. Yeah. Yeah. He wants to have a touch of class. That's right. Um, the uh, little Ted Bundy broken arm ruse, right? Isn't that what Ted Bundy says, Oh so, yeah and um cuz there's there's
2: Ed Gein there's Ted Bundy there's this thing itself is drawing on real life quite a bit
0: and the terror of the movie that it is like um it's not you have a character who's like Jody Foster's next door to somebody who's the sister of Ted Levine or so it, it, it's like you just get dropped in on this girl singing with Tom Petty yeah and the authenticity of her apartment and the way the wind blows and the way the trees look and the fashion and the colors. like But
2: she's a senator's daughter. I always thought she'd be in better you know, standing. you know, Junior senator from Tennessee. Because, yeah, then still... when you
0: see her mom, her mom... Nice suit. Love the suit. Oh, my God. What a bitch. <laughs> He's so fucking funny. Yeah. And just the ultimate... I mean, I know Brian Cox leaned into it. He said he kind of played... Lecter is like insolent, like uh-huh. his teenage son was being, yeah. <laughs> and like you see that with, with like what he's saying to the center about like, Did you, did your nipples feel weird yeah. when your daughter was being kidnapped? Yeah, it's like I see that more being said by a kid in high school to like a study hall teacher, I he doesn't like. And know. like, Whoa, my man, what's up,
3: Mr.
2: Branson? Did your nipples feel weird
0: when your daughter got kidnapped? <laughs> Um, the uh, the bug dudes Bug goo uh, Oh When you first hear her screaming in the dungeon Leslie and I were watching We're like, oh, Mary's crying We like paused it We're like, oh, oh, Mary woke up And oh they were like, God, no, it's feeling. the girl in the well Thank
2: God it's the girl in the well <laughs> yes. Thank God someone's only been kidnapped and tortured, and is not my daughter waking up. And I say that with only 50% of irony. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I mean, certainly a fictional character yeah. being in a well. I would totally choose that over. Yeah. And then maybe somebody I might not ever know. 20% chance. Yeah, I would trade that in for a full night's rest.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, Especially these days. <laughs> right on. the. Um, but yeah, the, that, the, I'm trying to think if I have... Um, any other notes? I'm that, all out of notes. What's that? I'm all
2: that? out of notes. I'm it's, so um, lost without you.
0: The stuff that the shot that of him like using the baton, yeah. as blood comes up on him as he's like moving it. That's the thing that most sticks in my brain from this movie, like the image. But the um, the thing that I think most rattled me when I first saw it was when Buffalo Bill starts mocking the girl in the well. Oh I God. Like, Cause it feels ooh, improvised. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was like, I knew this guy was bad, but this is just like getting to a realm of like evil that feels really startling. Oh yeah.
2: And a thing I noticed this time I've never noticed before when he's talking to her there is a point where he's fighting empathy. Can you? Do you know what I'm yes. talking about? Where he's like, mm, and then he just decides, no, she's not a human, because you could see him being like You're affected. Right. It's almost like when Vader's contemplating throwing the <laughs> Emperor over the side,
0: <laughs> but this time he doesn't go, no, no. But that's true. I now that you say that, I'm like, oh, that was the the flash, uh, yeah, in his eyes. Um, the other, the thing that also like really rattled me. And it's because it doesn't obey movie rules at all. When she comes to the girl in the well, and she's like, "Don't leave me alone here, you fucking oh, bitch!" Yeah, yeah, I always remember that. It's funny because it's different than Rob Zombie doing that. Because you're like Rob oh, Zombie yeah. thinks all humans are shit. When Jonathan Demi does it, and you've seen two hours of human complexity.
2: Also, the senator has just said she's quiet and gentle. <laughs>
0: You're just like... But then you kind of go, this is a humanistic look at people. It's not, I'm trying to make you feel bad about how bad people can really be. It's just like... But... It's believable. It's it's believable. And then it's so how it fits in with her dream of like she went and saved this lamb, but the lamb didn't even really know that it was going to be what was going on, that it was being saved. It didn't end up getting saved, get brought back. Like... The kind of terror of you might decide that you want to save somebody, but um, I don't know. Like, most of the movies that we watch that seem to be like affect me is like the when somebody feels like they f- failed previously at saving somebody, and then they try and then they kind of have to
2: it, yeah like, <laughs> well also her f- thought process in that well is you're telling me i'm gonna fucking die and then my savior comes and my savior's not necessarily gonna guarantee me safety yeah fuck you well yeah and you I, could, I mean we could look at it
0: through the lens of oh um in this situation this woman has the bias of wanting the the um cavalry to come in. It's a group of yeah. a SWAT team, a bunch of dudes. They sent me a woman. Yeah. And then you just get into, um, Oh, when two people feel low, they turn on each other yeah. rather than, so it's just on like, you the, fucking bitch. Don't leave me. Yeah. <laughs>
2: raft at ceasing each other as a leg of ham.
0: <laughs> <and a little> <laughs> lollipop. <laughs> the, um, but the, I like the little touch of him rubbing her finger when he hands her the paperwork to find a goodbye. Yeah. Um, the, I love that.
2: He won't come after me. I can't explain it. He'd think it was rude.
0: Yeah. That's what And it's gets. so true. And that's yeah, all you need. That's all you need. He'd be like, it'd be like too hacky too. He'd be like, yeah, of course I would come after you. Um, uh, the, Sewing the bodysuit. Oh. <laughs> Just pass over that. No. Uh, sewing the bodysuit. <laughs> no big deal. But that bathtub of goo oh. before the lights go with out. The, it's
2: more goo. There's a head in there. There's, There's a, a body in there. I
0: know. One but of the, the, b- oh, boy. Uh, no,
2: thank you. Now, Matt. No, really? Thank you. I'll take it. Give me a hot, nice, hot goo bath.
0: Uh, the fact, though, that this got um, to a point where... It's like Psycho and Halloween, where it's just one lady in a dark house. Yeah, that's the brilliance of
2: it. It's the most. Is this the most ever elevated horror movie? What's What's in the in the running? So Shining, this Exorcist, Psycho in its time, but I don't think Psycho. Psycho still feels a little pulpy to me. Yeah,
0: or uh, it almost has to be a movie that can. show the full gamut of.
2: Yeah. And I think Halloween's an absolutely perfect slasher film, but I don't think it's elevated to the level of those other three. Are there, are there any we're forgetting? Jaws maybe? Seven. Oh, oh, uh uh-huh. Jaws still strikes me as, as, as a blockbuster
0: first though. Yeah. Um. You're right. It's not elevated horror. It's a blockbuster. And
2: seven, I would say is in that category, but I still don't see it.
0: It did win Oscars and yeah. Yeah, like, um, like, and it wasn't their first
2: film. Maybe because it's lacking some humanity that Silence of the Lambs has. Shining doesn't as much. And then what was the other one? The Exorcist. Mm -hmm. I'm, I think, I think that this is the best ever well rounded, elevated horror movie. I would put it above those as a, as like, as a, a movie, like you go to the movies to mm-hmm. see a movie. I'm not mm-hmm. talking cinema. You could say mm-hmm. The Shining is, is more of a cinematic masterpiece. Yeah. But for me, Silence of the Lambs is the most, maybe, well rounded best perf- made horror movie. Best made horror movie. I think so. It's, it's... So you know our ratings. Maybe we should <laughs> save Best Kill till after we read some Xenos. That's
0: good. That's good. Um, anything else? couple notes from Brantley uh, notes that um, I thought were um, that Hopkins... uh, Yeah, it was his idea to be standing. Um, Yeah. That... um, I mean, we said a lot of these. But the... um, Just in discussion with... um, what we were saying about the movie goes out of its um, way to say that this is a different... This is not a, a, a transvestite yeah. character. Um, to Demi's credit, he seems to have really taken their concerns to heart, even though the film explicitly states that Buffalo Bill is a trans and his next movie is Philadelphia. Um, Which but,
2: itself was protested for being too chaste hmm. in its per- like portrayal of, of like gay physical romance, I believe. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, he came from the, yeah. Like we said, the Roger Corman new world pictures. The thing that I like a lot about those movies, I've been rewatching them is that they do feel they're um, like a lot of exploitation movies. They, they do shocking things. But there's always seems to come from a kind of a goofy fun place, not mm-hmm. like a let's hurt people. Place. Yeah. So I, agree uh, I feel like that still like carries through. I mean it's funny, Roger Corman's also in Godfather Part 2. So he's like in two like awesome. Who is he playing that? He's one of the senators, but Coppola cast him for the same reason because he you know, oh, he gave yeah. him his first job. Oh my god. Um the um so this was I I thought was really interesting, Grant Leeson. Um and it goes to what we were talking about: how the movie was being covered as a horror movie or psychological. Like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I would always heard the story I have that because the to studio was marketing the film as a psychological thriller and not a horror movie, that they didn't invite Fangoria or other ho- horror outlets to the set. Now this is where it's cool. This is what Brantley did. Yeah. Amazing. After reaching out to Fangoria, uh, this is at least partially accurate. They weren't invited to set, but they were invited to an early screening in New York City. And Orion invited Fangoria to their offices and allowed them to look through set photos, including the gory ones, for post-release coverage. All great info. Then I love this. The Fangoria Reporters who got back to me said that Seven was much worse about not allowing them any coverage of the film at all.
2: This is a With Goyle and Rust exclusive because Phil Nobile Jr., who is runs Fangoria, oh. emailed me and said, hey, your, your researcher got in touch with me uh, let me see if I can dig around, and I connected the two of them back because I, I don't oh, think they were fully so connecting Phil. or something. Oh rad! Yeah, so all, there were a lot of people involved with that, and of course the main one being Brantley. So thank you, Brantley. I know I love that little touch.
0: Yeah, and um, that he didn't, um, uh, like to bring it to the Corman thing. I like listened to an interview with David Fincher once, where uh, with some the New York Times film critic. And he said, when you came down from Northern California after working at um, ILM, so when you were wanting to break in, were you thinking Roger Corman style, like breaking in? And all I'll remember this. David Fisher <laughs> No, yeah. no. I was like, oh, he's a yeah. snob about this. Yeah. Uh, he thinks Roger Corman is like, that's a shitty way for somebody to break in. But not letting Fangoria come to seven is that same attitude. I think it's kind of like, you know, your movie is this just, accept I know it. he doesn't you're, want to be associated it. You don't with want to be associated. Yeah. So you're working too hard not to yeah. do what sounds the lambs did. Maybe not let him on set, but let him look at some of their uh, of pictures. Course I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, So, yeah, should we read some names? That's right. First up is Liam Toner
3: gets a little shout-out by me, the Southern lawyer. I'm not a Northern client. I'm a Southern lawyer. (laughs) Uh, Was there anything else in there I had to cover? Nope. Okay. Um, Uh.
1: Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing, so we made ByHeart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery, soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: Let's uh, just straight-up shout-out, right? Take it. Tabira Lumpkin, she said that, um... Uh, Tamara Lumpkin. She said it feels like she's hanging out with two buddies every day. That's like the nicest thing you guys could say about the. About the Hi,
3: bottom. buddy. Hello, Kate Boynes. Uh, oh, Eastern Canadian married couple here, huh? Okay. Oh, um, they're saying
0: nice things.
3: Okay. Oh, they live in a place where my, my Bloody Valentine was filmed. That's going to be very topical coming up.
0: And they sing songs from the TV show Love, uh, much appreciated. Uh, Katie and Brian Burns,
3: Happy Thank Birthday, you. even though it's not your birthday. Um, I say this is Sir Iron Flying. Don't you know? I'm giving a big shout towards the out to Josh Deacon. <laughs> uh, oh, on the you wanted on the Red Dragon episode. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> didn't read ahead. <laughs> Imagine this um, two episodes from now. <laughs>
0: Hey, Kelly Spence. Hi. Thanks.
2: And...
0: Benjamin Wright. I think you just nailed Benjamin it. Benjamin right? Wright, thank you so much. Now,
2: here's a special one. This is from Josh Caps, who is a very good friend of the creator of True Detective Nick Pizzolatto. Hey! They both uh, found their, their favorite Michael Mann movie is Miami Vice, like mine. And... Uh, I think he's very excited about a True Detective season as well, but would also like
3: um, a Southern lawyer uh, shout-out who would like to say, I'd love to get down there in the South and uh, defend the spaghetti monster from True Detective. (laughs) Mr. – uh, uh, hold on. I know the actor's name. What's, uh, oh, what's, well, uh, first of all, give me that whole clan of t- yeah. t- Tuttles, and I'll defend them. And um, why can't I remember Spaghetti Monsters' mad name? Fuck me with a with a with a, a what? trailer hitch. <laughs> oh no. Uh, all right. Well, that's everybody. Thanks for listening, everybody.
0: Now, what about you guys in the live stream? How y'all feeling, huh? Ooh, ooh, they switch from lambs to, from horse in the book. Interesting. So it was called Silence of the Horses. Wait,
2: what? I miss. I came in on the tail end of that. That's not true, right?
0: <laughs> hey, I'll take it as truth. Um, the other thing uh, I like at the end, the um, a credit sequence where the credit, the footage runs and the credits run oh, over yeah. a shot that continues. Oh, I like that too. Um, the first time I ever really saw it or recognized it was New York, New York. Uh-huh. The Martin Scorsese movie. And then I read a review about it where they referenced that the credits do that. And they said it created the feeling when you're watching it that because it ends with two people walking away, they're not going to be together. But then the movie continues and you're watching and you're like, unconsciously, you're going, oh. maybe the two of them could come back, come back Time together on, yeah. and you could watch it and get to see it. Um, and, uh, so I'll stick around to see if that happens. It's similar to this. It's kind of like, but it's not, will two people come back together? It's like, will Heck Hannibal get
2: his? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I know two people that will come back together in two weeks and that's you and me. That's
0: right. That's right. Or
2: Hannibal. Now, I think Silence of the Lambs may be my favorite of all these movies, but i am maybe been most looking forward to watching Hannibal for some reason because I haven't seen it since the theaters, and I know it's not going to be great, but it's probably going to be pretty fun.
0: I feel the same. Each of the three, I have a, a strong reason for being excited. Hannibal, because it's wackadoodle, and we saw it once. Yeah. Red Dragon, saw it in the theater, but now I'm excited to watch it with Manhunter eyes because I haven't seen Manhunter. <laughs> Man and then, yeah, then the prequel. Yeah, uh, no fucking clue about that. Me either. Um, but I do have... um. We can do best kill.
2: Oh, that's right. I forgot. Um, Sorry. Oh, and I have to tell you a quick story. Very ooh. quick. That um, I took uh, Glenn out to the park yesterday because she wasn't feeling, Amanda wasn't feeling well. And Amanda was originally going to meet up with all her, her friends that have kids, her mom uh-huh. friends. And it just ended up being me and five other moms with babies. And it felt just like Mr. Mom, like <sighs> when he's hanging out with all the other housewives. And I just felt... So good.
0: Yeah, were you uh, playing poker with coupons? Could have been. That makes me happy, man. Yeah, I like that.
2: Um, what's your best kill?
0: Um, yeah, the 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 um guards. The yeah
2: Napier man. Me.
0: That is just really. I don't know what it is about that shot, but seeing him move that billy club with blood coming up on oh, him is really. God.
2: Charles Napier is an interesting character, Brantley. I don't want to send you on a fool's errand here, but. I could have sworn I remember there's being some weird story about Charles Napier hanging out with Dana Plato from Different Strokes who played Kimberly. And I Googled it and I couldn't find anything about it. Mm. But I thought I remember like on a like the untold story documentary or something. I saw something like that. And I don't know if it was sinister or just avuncular
0: or what. But Maybe it was um, was he playing with Plato? no no no
2: he Uh, was he was playing with plato the philosopher
0: now should we close this up with a song matt please because i made another spoof song for the title oh good maybe we should have opened with this like last time but uh give it to me okay here we go um oh 13 out of 13 yeah best kill we'll see you in a couple weeks i'll hear you in a couple you'll hear us in a couple weeks okay here we go maddie Not part of the song. Anytime. (laughs) I'm already
2: putting it together.
0: Oh, yeah. Tell you, Sterling. (laughs) I think you'll understand when I say Kianti. It's the Silence of the Lambs. With me, come on with it's, it's the a Silence, silence of, of the Lambs. lambs. It's, it's the, the silence, silence of, of the lambs. lambs. Oh, please, say to me, Buffalo Bill is your man. <laughs> and please, see. And Keanti. It's, it's the, the Silence, silence of, of the Lambs. lambs.
3: I wanna eat your head.
0: <laughs> hey, that's good. And when I touch you, I feel hungry <laughs> inside. I like you even more than Francis Dollar High, <laughs> oh! Dollar High, Dollar, dollar High. high.
2: <laughs> yeah, okay. That's oh, it. I hope this becomes a regular feature. <laughs> I, think, I think that's gonna be big. Uh. God bless you, Paul.
0: God bless you, Matt.
2: See you next time.
3: Bye. For more Gorley and Rust content, head over to patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust to get episodes ad-free and a whole week early. Plus monthly mailbag episodes and feature-length watch-along film commentaries of your favorite horror classics. That's patreon.com slash with gorley and Rust. Email us at withgourleyandrust at gmail.com and your questions might be featured on a future mailbag episode. With Gorley and Rust theme song by me, Matt Wood, and performed by Townland. You can find us on Instagram as Townland Band, as well as Paul's Fantastic Band at Don't Stop or We'll Die. And why not rate and review with Gorley and Rust on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show and keep us trucking through the Jasons and the Michaels, the Leatherfaces and the Chuckies, the Aliens and the Candymans.